The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the view of Wolfpack Research or any of its officers. The views and opinions expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on this program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. We are not investment advisors. We hold no registrations with the SEC, FINRA, or any other regulatory agency, and none of the opinions expressed on this podcast should be considered investment advice. Listeners should assume that we have positions in and stand to benefit from any stock or other security mentioned on this podcast. Do your own research before making investment decisions. Welcome to the Wolf Den, everybody. Dan David back with you, and the pack is here in full force. By full force, I mean Carl the sound guy. <laughs> and we will hear Carl's full force, and the over-under on mistakes for this podcast is five. 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 It's an important podcast. You can't, you can't screw up less than five times when I'm interviewing somebody very important. Getting to the important individual that I'm interviewing, I'm interviewing Jordan Harbinger often referred to as the Larry King of podcasting. We're going to change that because Larry King's just freaking old. I mean, I know that means he, he's, he's also a, dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, so. uh, rumor says, sure. But, you know, Larry King was, was rumored to be dead for like 20 years and he would just like prop back up. He was doing infomercials for a while, you know, while dead. <laughs> exactly. I mean, not, not while actually dead, but while rumored to be dead. Now, unfortunately, he actually passed away from COVID. But anyway, that's yeah. neither here nor there. No, listen, it was the end of an era for sure. Jordan is a former Wall Street lawyer turned interview talk show host and is a communication social dynamics expert. Get into what that means. Sure. Uh, maybe he could help Carl. No. <laughs> I doubt it. A yeah. native of Detroit, actually, like a native of Flint myself, nobody mm-hmm. actually lives in Detroit. He's from Royal Oak, and I'm from Burton. So there you go. He also went to the University of Michigan, and he's the reason we lost to uh, Michigan State this year. I'm the re- I'm the reason. <laughs> that, <laughs> you are. I wasn't rooting hard enough no, for the TV. No, no, you graduated from there, uh, so yeah. it is you. Jordan has a has hosted a top fifty. Get it? Top fifty. Now it's top ten. Actually, I've read. Oh, nice. iTunes podcast over the past twelve years. Jordan's show receives over. Wait for it. Eleven million downloads per month making it one of the most popular podcasts in the world, the round thing we live on. So his show was selected as part of Apple's best of 2018. I, I've been listening to it, and it's just as good. His skills focus on some of the most successful and interesting people on earth. He shares their strategies, perspectives, practical insights. He's also a fan-driven feedback Fridays. He takes questions, which I find fascinating. Jordan spent several years abroad in Europe and the developing world, including South America, Eastern Europe, Asia, the Middle East. He speaks five languages, including Aramaic, the language that Jesus no. Christ spoke. <laughs> that's just showing off. Uh, that's not, that's true. not true at all. Oh, I'm just showing off. I speak Aramaic. Uh, oh, okay. I, I don't speak five languages, so I've got to alpha dog you, like right in the intro. There you go. Yeah, man, you gotta, you gotta, I mean, I noticed that you are, this is a status game, like you got it going on. Sure, sure. Your 11 million downloads in my 11. There you go. <laughs> it's like you and, you and Carl are just jockeying for it's not really. status the whole no. time, just watching the thing go down. Uh, you don't want to see Carl on the jock. <laughs> he has also worked for various governments and NGOs, traveled through several war zones, 
cool, my old job. And check this out. Amazingly, Jordan has been kidnapped, not once, but twice. Popular. He'll tell you the only reason he's still alive and kicking is because of his ability to talk his way in and out of this type of situation. Jordan, welcome to our show. Thanks, man. I, you know, congratulations on uh, making it this long podcasting. And because it's been a while. I mean, we talked a couple, a year or so ago, and I thought, all right, most shows never last that long. And, uh, and also the second congrats is on speaking one of the like 10 languages that's not in Google Translate, which is Aramaic. <laughs> it's, it's, it is, it is not, it's not, it's, uh, it's really kind of cool. Um, except it's not, you know, look, I, I had two dogs and I decided to teach them commands in Aramaic because like, totally, it, totally yeah. right. Because, you know, if somebody's going to be in my home, I don't want them to say, sit, stay, don't attack me. So Yeah. You just got to make sure you don't get an, a, no, no Philistines or whatever break into here. <laughs> they would be Assyrians. Assyrians. No Assyrians. No Babylonians break in the back door through the, the kitchen window. Right, right. Well, they, well they, they were the first ones to kill us off, the Babylonians. It's a sore subject. Yeah. But regardless, <laughs> the five-year-olds who live in my neighborhood picked up on the commands, as five-year-olds will do. So they start commanding my 120-pound Rhodesian Ridgebacks better than I could. Wow. That's really cool, though. That shows you the brain of a kid. Just like my my kid is two and and not even two and a half. If you're a white person, he'll speak to you in English. And if you look even remotely Asian, he'll speak to you in Chinese. And if you're Chinese, but you don't speak Chinese and he figures that out after like two seconds, he'll switch to English if you don't respond. And I'm like, wow, this kid, two years old. Wow. You uh, you got with somebody really smart. I mean, I guess you're smart, too. So, but like, you know, it's, it's on the mom generally for the language. Yeah. 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 And grandma and grandpa are over. I mean, the part of having your in-laws close is they're over like twice a day, literally, yeah. which is good. We get along great, but you know, with thank goodness. Cause if we didn't, my life would be pretty, <laughs> pretty, uh, stifling. Uh, yeah. You have to, by the way, are you in the law quad right now? Is that what that is? That background? <laughs> my, my background? Yeah. No, no, bro. I mean, this is my backyard here. See? Yes, I see that it's a de- yeah. I can tell because there's like a wrinkle in the top left. Oh, that's that's two for Carl. Now that's two. The podcast is five minutes old, and that's two for. We Carl. never release the video. We never. Release yeah, whatever. Well, we're talking about it. There you go. Yeah, yeah. No, the video. It looks like the law quad at the at the University of Michigan. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to I went to football camp, University of Michigan, for for two summers. Oh, okay. Yeah, the inside has those like stone and then those like lead windows with the little handles and and it had yeah, it looks like the Lockwood. Yeah, and it has of. the panes in it, right? Like, you know, the several different Yeah, panes. yeah, those individual right. for the like the little squares that are held together with like solder basically. Yeah. University of Michigan's a a fascinating campus because it's just like in Ann Arbor. Like there's no real Kind of like Michigan State, it's it's a campus, right? Every all the buildings are right there. It's a campus, but yeah. University of Michigan, the buildings could look like any apartment building in some cases. Getting a little yeah. more built up now, but yeah, very cool. I want to. I just want to point out some of the guests that Jordan's got. I mean, if you get eleven million downloads, you will you will talk to some pretty famous people. Jordan, mm-hmm. you've you've been able to get no, no one other than. Sammy the Bull Gravano, which mm-hmm. I have to tell everybody, you you have to listen to both both those episodes. They're fantastic. I don't know that Sammy can always be an interesting guy, but I think Jordan really helps him along. Very interesting. Thank you, Oliver North. 
You're welcome. Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Danny Trejo, who I still think is probably more dangerous than Sammy the Bull Gravano. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. John Brennan, who is more dangerous than all of them, yeah. uh, actually you know, had drone strikes. Oliver Stone, Neil deGrasse Tyson, one of my personal favorites. Anderson Cooper, because why not? Malcolm Gladwell. Frank Abagnale, which is great. Catch me if you can. Mm. Adam Carolla. Uh, you can't cancel me, Adam. So this is fascinating to me how you can build this much of a following and get all of these people on your show. I mean, take us through it. I mean, you were in, in the investment banking world, a lawyer, all that kind of yeah. stuff. You got in kind of at the wrong time. And we're going to call it 2007. Mm-hmm. And I heard, I heard 2008 was a bad year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was great for me though. And I'll tell you why. Because when I became a lawyer in 2007, I did like a year or so of work. And then I think it was 2006, whatever. I did like a year or so of work. But one of those was the associate summer where they're like, hey, let's go eat shrimp uh, seafood towers in downtown Manhattan and then fly to London for a couple months and then come back and did like and they're whining and dining you and they're like yeah this job is great take the offer and they give you like a signing bonus to start early and then I did a couple of months of work and they went oh we're, things are a little dry. There's a little something, something going on. And then Bear Stearns went under and they're like, well, we're probably going to have to pivot you. We don't want to fire our first year class. So we're going to pay you for pivot you <laughs> nine months. Yeah. We're going to pay you for nine months, full salary and benefits. And then it's like, we'll figure out stuff for you to do. And then it was like, yeah, you're probably never going to have any work here. So just take the salary and the benefits and try and find another job. And when you find another job, then tell us and we'll stop paying you. And I was like, cool, I'm <laughs> sure. just going to work in my startup, a.k.a. the Jordan Harbinger Show or the, or the company that would become the Jordan Harbinger Show. And I'm going to take full salary and benefits until you're like cutting me off like parents, you know, like like parents yeah. with their deadbeat kid. So I got paid for like ten, nine or 10 months full salary and benefits on and Wall Street, you know, uh, salary. And I was, they're like, you don't even have to show up. They're like, you can come make copies if you need to or something, but you don't need to like come in if you don't want to. I was like, so the, the, they, they pivoted you, which mm-hmm. that's exactly what I'm going to call what I'm going to do to you, Carl, except oh, without the money straight out of my ass. Yeah. And did you, t- you, you took the stapler and everything. You're just like, all oh, this shit is mine. I'm taking it. Yeah. It was kind of funny. Cause they didn't care. They were like, do you need anything? The, the only thing you can't take is your computer and your desk. And I was like, yeah, I need some office supplies. I'm doing some stuff. And they were like, go ahead. Just take take office supplies. Because, yeah. you know, orientation, they're like, you can't steal office supplies. These are ours. And then when I was leaving, they were like, take whatever you need. Because I think they knew at that point, yeah. hey, this firm's probably going to go out of business. We're not going to resell Bic pens and staplers <laughs> and like printer paper. And the, the to their credit, they felt pretty guilty about bringing us all in and then letting us all go because everybody who starts their career at a firm that goes out of business and they're like two years later is totally screwed because you're not experienced enough to go work anywhere else and nobody wants to hire somebody who is like yeah we we bet on the wrong horse can we come join your ship that's already like stretched really thin nobody wanted us so it was but it worked out great for me in that i was already doing the podcast and I was doing Sirius XM satellite radio and they were like, you don't have to show up anymore. So I was like, great. So I'm not moonlighting anymore. I'm not going to get in trouble. I'm not going to get fired, but I'm going to get a really, really good salary and benefits and pay. And I just can do whatever I want. I mean, this is like, it it was like kind of like winning a lottery, right? It was like winning a couple hundred grand from a lottery 
but I had yeah. I mean, that's what it felt well, like. Well, I mean, you you kind of des- you kind of describe Wall Street to a T. I think in my mind, like it's you come in and they tell you everything you can't do, and then tell you you can do all of that. Yeah, there you go. And then. People end up getting screwed over in the end, and they feel really bad about it, but people end up getting screwed over in the end. Uh-huh. Anyway, you came out. Wait, you're recording this, right? Yeah. But not on Zoom? Not on Zoom, no. Correct. Okay, just checking, because I'm like, it doesn't say recording. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, no, no, we don't, we don't do anything with the video. No, okay. that would be just making big, sure. That would be a big number three. <laughs> I just, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just w- thought no, you would want to know listen, that if we weren't recording. No, that's, that, you know, it's a professional courtesy of yours to make sure that Carl isn't, you know... On his way to getting pivoted. <laughs> so, so anyway, as you were saying. No, I mean, it sounds like you were explaining Wall Street to a T. I mean, you yeah. know, it's just like, these are the things that aren't supposed to happen. They all happen and shit happens. And yeah, cool. We all got paid. Yeah. Prior to that, though, you also had a wildly interesting life. I mean, you did some great humanitarian things, you know, that, that I'd love you to talk about. And then I can't, I can't just tell people in the intro, you've been kidnapped twice and not, not kind of talk about the kidnappings. Sure thing. So tell us, how did it happen? Yeah. Well, the, the first time I got nabbed was actually just what's called an express, what I assume was going to be an express kidnapping. And what that is, is when they take you and they make you go to a bunch of different ATMs and then they throw you out in the street. But I didn't know that at the time. I just thought I was being kidnapped. I'd never heard of an express kidnapping, and I could have ended up in a basement getting chopped up into little pieces. I wanted to get into, I wanted to go downtown, Mexico City. I was living there at the time. So th- this was a McNapping. McNapping, yeah. Okay, yeah. go ahead. I was in Mexico City, and I wanted to go to the center of town, and it's like, there's a statue there, the presidential palace is there. It's kind of like the White House. Everybody in D.C. knows where it is. And the cab driver's driving the wrong way, and I'm like, that's weird. Maybe there's traffic. But I decide to say something anyway. And I say, hey, man, why are we going this way? And he didn't say there's an accident. He didn't say there's traffic. He's like, oh, uh, I just need to ask for directions. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense because Mexico, uh, Mexico City, excuse me, it, that was actually an accident. It's shaped like a bowl. I'm not editing that, just so you know. Go. <laughs> and just leave it in. Yeah, it's shaped like a bowl. And in the middle of the bowl, the sunken part of the bowl, is the presidential palace, the statues, you know, all the, the biggest part of the city. So you know where that is, and all you have to do is go downwards. You don't have to, It's not like that complicated of a city to navigate in that respect, especially if you're a cab driver and you've been driving around Mexico City for a decade or two. Yeah. So I didn't really trust that he needed directions. It didn't make any sense. It'd be like a cabbie in D.C. going, the White House? Oh, man, let me <laughs> let me ask a friend where that is. I don't know how to get there. What color is it? <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, what color is it? Exactly. So it just didn't make any sense. And so I'm like, uh, all right, I'm a little alarmed. It's The year was 2000, so I didn't have a phone to get distracted with. I was just looking out the window, kind of being more aware than I would be now. And I always wonder... If I'd had a smartphone looking at Instagram, would I be dead right now? Because I was paying attention, unlike most of the time when I'm in an Uber. And I'm driving further and further away. We're getting into more like sketchier parts of town. And I'm like, hey, man, turn around and take me back. And he's like, no, we're almost there. And I'm like, oh, I know that's not true. So I'm trying to get out. And I'm thinking, okay, when he slows down, I'm just going to open the door and get out. And I couldn't because I couldn't open the the door physically it was locked and i noticed that like you know in old cars you, you'll remember this yeah remember when the lock goes up and then it goes down and then that's when it's locked well when it you remember those some cars like your, your friend has like a crappy car and the lock parts broken off so there's just like a hole there yeah. and you can't physically pull the lock up 
Yeah, I still have that car. It was kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, you, you might still, yeah. It, some some of those are still driving around Detroit slash Flint slash Royal Oak. So he had one of those, and I noticed that the back door locks had either been snipped or cut or had broken off, and I was like, that's weird. All the <laughs> Both door locks here are, like, broken, you know? Yeah, well, by design. Yeah, by design. Uh, 2020 hindsight by design. But, you know, you get in a crappy old cab, Yeah. even in New York, like, you know, there's car. Th- th- there was plenty of that even ten years ago in New York where the locks are broken. So I was like, "All right, just let me out." And he's like, "No, man, we're almost there." And I was just like, "Crap, I'm pretty sure I'm getting kidnapped right now. Like, I don't know what's going on." So pretty soon, I don't have much of a choice. He stops the car in front of this like crappy cinder block, unfinished house, and I'm like, "Uh, this is not." looking good like he's gonna get out he's gonna get friends they're gonna jump in the car or they're gonna like rip me out of this car i don't know what's going on so i i slide behind him i was sitting in the back seat and i slid behind him and i said hey man don't get out of the car and i put my arm between him and the door and he didn't know that and he's like okay relax relax so then he makes a fast move for the door but he like to try and sort of like charge out or charge through my arm i don't even know i, I don't think he knew my arm was there but he was a guy who was probably like 50 sits in a cab all day eating tacos and or whatever and i was like 20 working out twice a day living off a diet of carne asada and like protein shakes so i weighed like 209 pounds oh and this guy probably weighed you know 150 pounds but was like 40 percent body fat or something like that like you liked your chances yeah, I liked my chances. It was pretty good. I thought if he doesn't have a gun and I can't see one, then I'm probably okay. You know, whatever. I'm still like a kid at that point. It's not mm-hmm. a great calculation. But I basically ended up choking him out. Not basically. I ended up choking him out th- uh, over the seat by wrapping my arm, my forearms around the seat. It's actually hard to get a sleeper on somebody with a car seat headrest in your way. But you can put your forearms o- in, uh, over, their, over their nose and their mouth and just push really hard. You know, like be- this thing's called a filter. It's between your nose and... And it's basically your upper lip. And if you push on that really hard with your forearm bone, it's like paralyzing pain. And then I had my other forearm over his nose, which is really like painful. And also he probably couldn't breathe that well through his nose. So he's opening his mouth, but he's like screaming. So I eventually like allow him to, to uh, slink down in his seat to try and get away. And that's when I choked him out. So I choke him out. He's unconscious. I have to crawl between the seats to get him out because I still can't get out of the back seat. I open his door, throw him out of the car. Realize I can't drive a stick shift. Oh, my God. So I can't take his car. What a comedy. I know. And But even if I could drive a stick, I always thought, like, shit, I got to learn how to drive a stick. Even if you can, a car that's from, like, 1968, whatever Volkswagen, whatever this thing was, it's going to have a weird clutch. It's going to have a weird shifter. It's going to have a weird everything because there's always a trick. Well, tell yourself what you want to, but I, I guarantee you learned how to drive a stick soon after. I did learn how to drive a stick, but I'm like, you know, I don't know if this would have helped because... I don't, I was like adrenaline rush, you know, I just don't think I could have done it, but I took the keys out and chucked the keys. I should have kept the keys. It didn't really matter, but I chucked the keys so he couldn't follow me and I ended up running away and trying to flag down cars and I couldn't, no one would stop for me. Surprise, surprise. Not that there were that many cars anyway, but I'm dressed in like Banana Republic freaking chinos uh, and like a dress shirt because I'm going out downtown and I'm sweating through all this stuff. 
And finally, a car stops. It's like an old man and a young, an older guy, probably you know, sixty whatever. Not an old man, old man, but in 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 a girl about my age, maybe well, a little older. Thought it was his daughter. Twenty twenty hindsight, probably like his girlfriend or something, because that's how they roll down there. But she, I'm like, I will get in the trunk. Like you got to take me out of here. Somebody kidnapped me. And the guy was like, What are you talking about? He was a doctor. He wanted to know if I needed medical. And I was like, No, just get me out of here. He's like, I'm not letting you in my car. And the girl was like, we can't leave him here. This is a bad neighborhood, you know, a really bad neighborhood. Like he's obviously this guy didn't come here on his own accord. I'm not like drunk. I'm not slurring. I'm not stumbling. I'm just sweating. And they're like, okay, this is friggin' weird. So I get in the car. They didn't make me ride in the trunk. And he's like, where do you want to go? And I'm like, I want to go to the police station. He's like, let me stop you right there. (laughs) We're not going to take you to the police station because... You just kid, you got kidnapped and possibly like ended up like maybe killing the guy that kidnapped right, you at right. the very least physical conflict where you beat him up. The cops are just going to hear, yeah, I left a body on the side of the road. <laughs> I mean, they're not going to be like, oh, you got kidnapped. Better protect this foreign guy. There's also a chance that Mexican police are in on some kidnapping game gang or game with foreigners. And like now you're just walking in there like, hi, I just met your gang and escaped. Bring me back to them only with guns. You know, like he's like, you should just leave. So he dropped me off at a metro station. I packed my shit and I got into uh, a a bus and drove to Guadalajara pretty much overnight and moved to Guadalajara Wow! from there. That's crazy. Yeah. And it, you ever find out what happened to the cab driver? No, I, I, so I tried, I have some law enforcement connections in Mexico and I was like, Hey, can you like run my name and passport number through your, whatever the equivalent is of like the national crime database? Like, can you see if I fly through Mexico? Cause I was flying through Mexico for something else. And I was like, the last thing I want is to be on vacation with my parents. They're like, we've been looking for you for like 20 years, you know? Mom, dad, I killed a cab driver. I don't know if I ever told you that. Yeah, I mean, they they they, they would be worried about that. Um, and I didn't want to, like, I didn't want any unpleasant surprises. And so I like to think he shook it off a few moments later and was like, oh, that guy was tougher than I thought. Guess I shouldn't kidnap Americans and then went on to live a lawful, productive life and didn't just die on the side of the road. I don't really know. Okay. Or he hmm. just he just picked up somebody smaller. Yep, that's possible. The next time. Uh, with shorter arms <laughs> that doesn't know that kind of move. Or it was never a kidnapping and he was just like really going to ask for directions and was embarrassed and I assaulted an innocent man. No, I don't think that's what happened. No, I don't either. I don't either. And that happened once. Yes. And then you're in Serbia, as as one is. Serbia, yeah. Serbia was the second time. This is a little more serious. This is years later. Um, I was working there. I had a fellowship from the Department of Defense. It's it's kind of like what I was doing was kind of like a Fulbright, but it was funded by DOD. And it wasn't called Fulbright or anything. And I, when I lived there, and I don't know if it's still this way, when you leave the country and come back, you have to tell the Serbian police where you're staying. And I was like, this is such BS. It's it's un-American, damn it, to, for me to have to tell the police where I live, whatever. So I went and registered every time, and it was such a pain, and the cops were always such dicks, because they're, you know, you think police in Western countries can get on a high horse or get authoritarian sometimes. And Matt, c- c- cops in a country that went through a civil war and used to be sort of an authoritarian communist uh, type place, 
they're used to just unchecked power and corruption. So they would always be like, we need a bribe. We're going to treat you like crap. We're going to make you wait three hours. We're going to cuss out the old lady that drove you here. You know, stupid <laughs> shit like that. Okay. And one time I just had it. I was coming back from Austria. It was like 10 p.m. I had to register with the police because you have to do it quickly. And they were like, the guy was dicking around, didn't want to do it, was busy. And then it was a shift change. And when the new guy got in there for the shift change, he was like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I have to register with you because I'm foreign. He was like, you can do it tomorrow. And I was like, well, I need to do it tonight. And he's like, well, I'm just going to lock you up and you can do it tomorrow. And I, so he put me in a jail cell wow. with these Roma, Roma prostitutes who were smoking cigarettes all night and talking and whatever... I don't know what Roma language they were using. It was like, not, I didn't understand. It wasn't Serbian. And it was just, and their pimp was there, and it was like really uncomfortable and annoying and unhealthy. And I was like, this is such bullshit. I did, came to do the right thing. I'm getting punished for it now. I hate this. I'm not doing this again. So next time I, I left the country, I came back in, and I was like, I'm not going to register. Like, screw you. You're gonna I'm not going to get put back, back in jail with Roma hookers. Yeah, not doing it. So I, I did that a bunch and I got away with it just fine. But then one time my friend was like, hey, the police are looking for you. They came to the house because that's she, her house was where I last had registered. And she's like, oh, he doesn't live here anymore. And they were like, well, you better find him, you know. And she's like, hey, give me a new address. They're, they're bothering me. It's like uncomfortable. So I gave him a new address. The cops kept looking for me and I was never there because I didn't want the cops bothering me. Just for because nothing. you didn't check in. Yeah, right. Wow. Huh. But I'm like, this is authoritarian nonsense. Like, I'm not doing it. It would be different if it was authoritarian nonsense and they were like, hey, this is our policy, instead of just constantly harassing me right. and my friends. It was just, you know, I was just like, this is crap. What a nightmare. So I was at a music festival months later, and the secret police, which are like state security officers, which are not like professional FBI type guys. They can be, but they can also just be thugs, horrible sort of civil war uh, instigator militia guys that ha now have a hall pass are above prosecution, cause trouble all over the country. The the general civilian populace is not a fan of them either. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like secret police in any country. Not no bueno. Not like the FBI, who's like in actually investigating things, but more like, hey, we're friends with Milosevic, right? Yeah, well, like, yeah, it's like these are the guys that were friends with Milosevic, you know, and and they're just rebranded. So they were harassing some women that I was with and they were harassing me and my friend. And I was like, Oh gosh, you know, and then they were like, we need to see your passport. I'm like, I don't carry my passport, but I carry a copy, gave them the copy. They're like, Oh, we're looking for you. So they took me and my friend to this safe house, which was like a basement of a bar. And it was a, it was quite an eventful sort of, ride there because they were like super high on probably methamphetamines or something again these are not professionals these are like militia guys that used to live in bosnia and got kicked out by croats and now live in belgrade or some other city causing trouble and are just damaged and you know they're threatening us and yelling at us and all this stuff and they they're like making us do dangerous things uh outside on the car and then they by the time we get in this basement they're like beating my friend's ass. My friend is Serbian. They're beating his ass because he's got a big mouth and also because he's Serbian, probably. For me, they were still trying to figure me out. They're like, oh, well, someone's looking for you, you know, and, and they don't, I don't think they knew if I was being looked for because I was important or because I just hadn't registered. I don't know if that was like in the computer. So I was spared a little bit of some of the beating stuff 
but also I kept them talking. I kept them confused. You know, I was using some psychological sort of tactics to get them to be more engaged logically. Like I would tell them confusing things so that they would try, have to like parse them. So, so tell us about this. What's the psychological tactic? Because this is one of your specialties, yeah. right? You teach this. Yeah. It isn't as simple as these aren't the droids you're looking for. Yeah, it's not quite like that, but there's there's some element of that. Like they would say like, oh, you think you're tough because you're American, huh? You, you know, you guys ruined our country. And I'd go, no, I'm not tough at all. Uh, in fact, it, you know, the bombing of Serbia was horrible. I don't understand it. I was really young when that happened. I was a kid in, in elementary school. And it's like, it gets them to be like, oh, I'm not coming up against another aggressive guy who's trying to ma- match me where I'm at with like toughness. He's admitting that he's not tough and he's like not threatening me. And also he was a child when that happened. So it gets him to sort of envision like, hey, I'm, I was a kid when that happened. So am I really a threat to you? Is that really my fault? I couldn't vote. I didn't even know what was going on. I barely remember it from the news because I was in like gym class in fifth grade. You know, that kind of thing. I was actually in high school, but whatever. <laughs> and so... I get them going on that and they're like, oh, yeah, you all think you're so superior over there. And I was like, yeah, my favorite food is and I started listing off like Serbian foods. And I was, you know, they would go like, what do you think? You know, you're just going to come in here and mess with our country. You're probably doing some sort of operation. And I'd be like, what's the best restaurant in the city? And they're like, (laughs) what? You know, it's just non sequiturs. Don't you understand you're in a kidnapping right now? (laughs) Yeah. Like they were like, why aren't you more scared? And it's not like I'm like. Bro, I've done this before. Okay, I want to play a little dumb, but not so dumb that I'm aggravating them, but also I'm constantly redirecting the conversation. So if they're like, you realize what kind of trouble you're in? I'm like, what do you, where, What should we eat for dinner tonight? What's the best restaurant in the city? And they're like, you know, they're, the logical part of their brain is like thinking of an answer to this question, but the emotional part of their brain is like, wait, you're supposed to be angry and scared, and I'm angry at you. Like, why aren't you angry and scared? You know, it's just sort of causing confusion. And it, it sort of causes them from hatching, it stops them from hatching as good of a plan as they probably would have had. Now, they're getting frustrated and they're getting pissed off and aggressive, but the other guy is taking is dealing with my friend, and I'm dealing with this guy who's probably a dumbass, frankly, and a little bit high. So it's not like this is going to work on like any human who's sober and trained. This is like dumbass high cop, you know, who's been up all night kind of psycho- psychological manipulation. This is not like going to work on somebody normal in a normal circumstance most likely yeah uh, unless they're really dumb and these guys were definitely really dumb i'm gonna let it go carl i'm just gonna let that one go <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> go <ahead>. so <laughs> so eventually my friend i think passes out the other guy's like what the hell's going on in here from a beating right yeah from oh, a beating God. and then i'm like we're gonna need water soon you know i'm feeling sick and I don't want to throw up everywhere because it'll smell bad. I basically made the consequences, not like, I don't feel good, please help me. I was like, it's going to smell really bad if I puke everywhere. And he was like, ugh. Yeah. You know, because he's thinking like, I got I to gotta be in this torture chamber, torturing other foreigners in 24 <laughs> hours. I don't want to smell like barf. You know, so he, he goes to get some water, and I hear the doors of the Jeep close, and I hear the, the engine start. And I'm like, did they just drive away, these guys? So I'm listening, wondering if one guy stayed, one guy went. No, I'm like, they left. So I I go out and I grab my friend who's like in bad shape. You know, he's been beat up. He's got like some puncture wounds on him and stuff, which is gross. Oh, my God. And we run to this restaurant. We run and run and run. And we run to this restaurant. I'm basically helping him walk. We run to this restaurant and like the waitress, I know we must have looked bad because the waitress came up and was like, 
hi, how can I? And just like pauses mid-sentence and spins around in her heel and just like hightails it to her manager. And I'm like, oh, we we sit down in these chairs. We're like kind of effed up. You know what I mean? Like we don't really know what's going on. Her manager doesn't even come over and we're like, what, what's going on? And we're just sort of at the end of this restaurant in like the farthest out chairs of this cafe. And suddenly the cops show up. Like what time is this? This is like nine o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock in the morning. Oh, so it's yeah. daylight and it's, you know, it's not like two in the morning. It's like nine in the morning. No, no. We got, we got nabbed at like 7.30, 8am. Wow. Yeah. So we, we had been up all night at a, at a rave called Exit in, in, in a city called Novi Sad. It was awesome. But the ending sucked, obviously. Yeah. It, it, so, <laughs> so we, they call the regular cops and the cops come by and they're like, what nonsense is this? You guys are junkies. You know, you're just going to come into our country and do drugs. You stupid idiots. You know, you come to this festival and you do drugs. And I was like, look, I don't do drugs. They're like, well, why does your friend have puncture wounds from needle on him? I'm like, I don't have puncture wounds. He's like, you guys are screwed up. You're all drunk. I'm like, I'm not drunk. I've been beat up. I've been harassed. My Serbian's not good. The police did this. And the guy's like, the police did not do this. What are you talking about? You're a liar. And I'm like, no, they came up. They had a black Jeep. The Jeep has a blue license plate. It's got a da 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 on it. And it's got these kind of rims and it's got these kind of running boards. And, and then the young cop who has like a, freaking submachine gun or whatever and is in the back with me who's just yelling at me stops and goes oh oh man oh those cops yeah. wow i'm really sorry i'm so sorry to hear that this ha- i'm really really sorry about this i am i am very sorry and he starts apologizing not for his own behavior but i think instantly he was like oh those cops yeah that's the third time this week <laughs> yeah and i think he was just like oh this is super embarrassing because it's not street cops. It's like the bad, like even the cops don't like these guys because they're just pieces of shit. And they harass everybody and they're above the law. So the cops bring us to the police station. We file a report and they're like, dude, I'm really, they're like very apologetic. They're very sorry about everything. They let us go. Well, wait, did, did you register though while you were there? <laughs> no, I failed to register. They were just like, get out of here. Right. So I, 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 they let us go. I found some kids. The kids walked me back to my apartment. They were, I guess they were my age. I don't know if they were kids, kids. They walked us back to the apartment we were renting, I should say, in Novi Sad. And then after that, we head back to Belgrade and like, I'm reporting this to the U.S. Embassy and they're like, this is crazy. We, we don't. Because they'll care. They, they also didn't give a shit. Yeah. They didn't give a crap. <laughs> Jesus. But what was interesting was the Italian embassy did care. My friend had Italian citizenship. They did care. And the Carabinieri liaison officer, which is like the Italian police sort of liaison there, he was like, yeah, I've heard of this. It's kind of going around in our intelligence briefings that there's like these rogue sort of cops that harass citizens and occasionally foreigners. And I think that's what happened. U.S. Embassy was like, this happens a lot, not necessarily to Americans because there's no freaking Americans here. And, and they're like, don't go to the media. It's going to make things really bad for us and you. Don't do it. And uh, I think they were just looking out for their own interests, candidly. But anyway, my friend did go to the media. It ended up in the newspaper. And I got calls from all over the world from Serbian friends who read this newspaper online because they were like, holy shit, I saw your name on the front page of Politica. And that that was kind of disturbing. And then after that, we started getting some harassment. So I went back to the embassy a few more times. And the, the embassy security officer, I can't remember exactly what this guy's title was, but he was like, 
look, we have to bury this. It's really hard for us to get things done in Serbia. If you make a big deal out of this, it's going to cause a huge problem for us. So we're going to get it, we're going to get you a letter of apology from the foreign minister, but you can't even take the letter out of the embassy. You can only read it. And um, don't go to the media because we're not going to like back you up on this or anything. You're just making it worse. Just like here's some money for your stuff. And here's some of your stuff that we got from the guys because we know who the guys are. Oh, they, they, they went to the guys and, and they found and the got- guys. Yeah, the Serbians found the guys and the guys brought our stuff back. And they, what did they take of yours and how much money did like, you get? Cell phone. They were like a oh, crappy fossil watch, you know, like like a hat. Oh, I want that back. Yeah, it was just not it wasn't anything that important. It was like a cell phone was my most important thing. And they had gone through the phone, which is funny because they put my SIM card in my friend's phone and his phone in my phone and. So we were getting each other's texts for a while. Oh, uh, they're playing psychological games too. Yeah. I think what was funny was I, they didn't even know how to use this is these guys are such these guys are such bumpkins. They didn't even know how to unlock my phone clearly because I had a Sony Ericsson and I remember you had like hidden yep. folders or something and if even you if you had any Sony Ericsson you could easily find those folders and then they would have but they just didn't even try to access them. I don't know. It was just stupid. They were just stupid guys. They they were like rednecks. Well, how much money did the embassy give you? I I don't remember, but I think it was like you know what? I don't even remember. I I just I I'd have been like this is a limited edition fossil watch <laughs> jerk off. <laughs> it wasn't insurance. It was more like go get a new phone. And then they were like, oh, we have your phone. And then it was kind of like, here, you know, I don't even, I don't remember. This has been, it's been like 15, six, six, 17 years. It's been 17 years. It's been a while. Yeah. We were pretty freaked out because we're like, these guys know who we are. The U.S. Embassy doesn't care. Yeah. And even the program that I was on, the DOD program, they were like, you should just forget about this because you're, it's causing like a diplomatic incident, not a major one, but the story is you guys were drunk and you were causing trouble. And and I'm like, that's not, and I'm like, that's not the story. Even the front page newspaper wrote a different story and like interviewed other people and the cops. And they're like, yeah, they're going to print a retraction that says that you guys just were drunk and disorderly and you got arrested. Oh, that sucks. And I'm like, ah, oh, okay. So you're just going to throw us under the bus. They're like, you're not hurt. Just be fine. You got your crap back. You're not even hurt. Just suck it up. That's basically what the embassy officer told us. Wow. And I was like, Note to self, the U.S. Embassy doesn't give a shit about you if you're in another country. Like, their job is to- That has not changed. Yeah, they, they don't care, you That's know? That's horrible. That has not changed. Get arrested in China and, and see how much help you're going to get. They don't care. You yeah. Know, I, you know, I've had investigators arrested there, and, you know, some of them are dual citizens, and some are Canadian citizen, one of them was. No help. They don't care. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they don't care. It's it it's on you. Yeah, it is. It's on you. And so I was like, okay, note to self, like I, they don't care. And so if you get if you think you might get in trouble in a foreign country, the best thing to do is don't listen to these embassy security guys at all. They're looking out for themselves. They don't give a crap. They live in an embassy compound half the time. They don't even understand the country they live in most of the time anyway. And you should probably make friends with rich people in that country. If you can, um, because they always have power. Right. Because you think rich people have power in the United States. Rich people in Ukraine own the cops and the border guards and the military. You know what I mean? Like rich people in Serbia can do anything they want and you can get power that way. You know, like I'm like, okay, so 
all these things you think are powerful are like illusions over there like authority and cops and stuff like that. It's all nonsense, you know? Yeah. It's all about connection. As you know, in China, it's all about guanxi, man. Who, need, who you know? Yeah, there, and, and, and I was in Ukraine, and you, you're absolutely right about Ukraine as well. It's, everybody's getting paid off. Nobody's getting paid a lot of money to begin with, which is, which is the problem, right? So they need right. to make money on the side, including the cops. And it's a pretty dangerous place. It sounds like it went really badly for you at least twice. And given all the travel you've done in war zones and everywhere else, you had to have several close calls that, I mean, could have been kidnappings that weren't. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely had some, some other close calls. I'm trying to even think about all of the ones that were and weren't. Like, I mean, when I was in Egypt, I definitely escaped some sort of hairy situations. Like, As one does in <laughs> Egypt. As one does in Egypt. Yeah, it, yeah. You know about this. Like, it, this is Egypt probably two. Yeah, 2000, year 2000 in Egypt. I mean, we were getting cornered in alleys by like groups of teenage thugs and they were like aggressive, but they were trying to pretend it's, it's weird over there. It was like, they were trying to be friendly, but they weren't friendly at all. Or they were trying, they were trying to be aggressive, but they were, it, it was like, no, no, come have a beer with us. And I'm like, beer, Egypt, probably illegal, probably not a good idea. There's eight of you. You're blocking our way out. We just want to go. And then eventually it's, I have to just be like, move, I'm leaving. And they're like, nah, man, you're staying and drinking with us. And I'm like, uh, shove the guy to the side and run. And they just stand there looking at us like, whatever. And I'm like, what was really about to happen there? Like, I don't understand. Are they just too lazy to chase us? Did I misunderstand something? You know, and there, there were other times people were like, oh, w did you guys come from Israel? And one of our friends would be like, yeah, we were traveling and we came through a lot. And I'm like, idiot. <laughs> then now know we live in Israel, you freaking knucklehead. What do you think they think we're doing here? Yeah. You know, and then this is Egypt. <laughs> if somebody from Egypt asked you if you came from Israel, no, no, no. yeah, I would never go there. Yeah, so we, had, I remember like another time running into like a, like a fancy hotel to get away from people. That's a, that's a tip that I have for many countries. I mean, it's not foolproof by any stretch, but if you run into a fancy hotel, even away from police in a corrupt country, like when I was in Ukraine, I ran into, I was being harassed by some cops and, and, and the, one of the first things they told me in Ukraine is never get into a police car. And the people who told me that were like other expats, people who lived in Ukraine, whatever, never get into a police car. And I was like, isn't, aren't they gonna like shoot me or something? They're like, no. Once you get in the car, they're gonna lock you in there and they're gonna make you give them like a hundred bucks before they let you go. And so, and I talked to other tourists that that had happened to. And I was like, okay, not going to happen to me. But this cop kept following me. And I'm, so I ran into this really nice hotel. Like a Which hotel was it? Do you remember? Was it the Palace? Oh, man. It's in Odessa. It was in Odessa. Um, oh, oh, oh yeah. geez. No. Yeah. Guys, you've been all over. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember what it was called. But I ran in there. And I, I ran in there not with any particular plan, but otherwise I was like, it's open. And I can probably be like, can the concierge translate for me what this guy wants? But what happened was he never came in. And, and 2020 hindsight, again, which is how I learn a lot of things, I think that they know not to go into a nice hotel because that's owned by somebody who's wealthy and powerful. And it's oh, like, yeah, if yeah. they get word that the cops are harassing foreign guests of that hotel, they are going to, their head is going to roll. It, it's, it's over. Yeah. 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 That's, that is some smart real world advice for anybody dumb enough to travel in. <laughs> yeah one of the more dangerous Eastern European countries or South American, really. That's, I think the same rules go if you're uh, in a South American country that uh, you don't feel safe in. Maybe even here in the United States and depending on what city you're in. Like Detroit. 
Oh, shut up. <laughs> like Philadelphia is any better, buddy. Have you been down there lately? No. So you, you go from all of this and, and, and you're doing this NGO work, which I mean, really, I'm, I'm not being glib here when I'm saying it's God's work. It's, it's, it's no money and it's really just to help people. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that drove you into banking, but that was short lived. Yeah. And now you're one of the most popular podcast personalities in the world. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? Yeah. I, look, a lot of it is luck and timing for sure. You know, I started my podcast in 2007. I ended up on the radio in 2008 or whatever, satellite radio. That you would think grew my show, but it didn't. I kept podcasting the whole time, which is good because everyone's like, quit podcasting. You're on the radio. You don't need to do that stupid hobby stuff anymore. And I was like, nah, I like it. I own it. I control it. It's safer. So I kept that going. And, uh, it, that was actually quite a good move because we ended up building our coaching business off the back of that for a while. And I just kept doing it, man. And I, I, I was first I was talking about like dating and relationships and social skills and stuff like that. But now or, or the last few years, I've been talking, uh, doing really good interviews. I mean, you've been on the show. I've had some some fun interviews with a lot of folks, as you mentioned during the the intro. And then I eventually split off from my coaching company and started the Jordan Harbinger show. So I've been podcasting for like 14 years. And a lot of times the audience, you know, has followed me through that. So it's great because I get to sort of interview fascinating people, have really in-depth discussions. I read books and talk to smart people. And yeah, the show is pretty successful. Uh, as you read in the intro, 10 to 11 million downloads a month, which is great. Because uh, I almost quit to do YouTube, but I'm so glad that I didn't because one, YouTube is much harder to produce. Two, it's sort of a young man's game and you have to be well, doing backbreaking work like all the time on YouTube. Um, and also, candidly, I like the conversation part and I, I see on YouTube most interviews, they're either really short or they have to do all these cutscenes and all this stuff. And, and also the money's not that good on YouTube. You have to really, you have to have like millions and millions of views to make money on YouTube. Well, look, for, for my part, I, I like the podcasting without the video. I find the video distracting, number one, mm-hmm. because like if you're listening to a podcast and, and working out as I do vigorously every single day for eight <laughs> hours a day, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know why you're laughing. And, and there's a video attached to it. it. You feel like you've got to look at that, too, rather than just listening, because I, I was listening to you today. I was listening yesterday. And you can do it when you're walking. You can do it when you're running. You can do it doing a lot of other tasks and work mm-hmm. and i will say with the sammy the bull interview today he he's probably the only guest that swore more than i did on your show <laughs> i mean that guy was dropping f-bombs left and right and, and that generally doesn't happen on your show i mean here and there but here and there that, i mean his vocabulary is micro thin without without you know an f-bomb that's a good point you know i think a lot of mafia guys probably are like that just because uh I don't know how much that time they spend trying to blend in with polite society, so to speak. <laughs> well, no, it's just it's just amazing. I'm thinking about this guy, and it's like the the word "fucker" "fucking" is is a verb, a noun, an adverb, an adjective. Oh, like John in Philadelphia. I mean, it's just like I mean, yeah. he, you use it. He uses it to conjoin every other sentence at certain points, but easy to follow. I mean, you could still follow him. You know exactly where he's going, and. Mm-hmm. And you let them go there, which is one of the things I love about your interviewing style, uh, unlike mine, is you really let the guests talk for the most part. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's a Larry King method. I think it's really more of a Howard Stern method mm-hmm. circa today. 
not maybe who Howard was 20 years ago, but he's one of the best interviewers in the business today. I don't Definitely. know if you agree with that. You agree? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. He used to not be, though. Yeah, He I used agree. to just make, like, fart jokes, and I'm like, okay, this is friggin' stupid. Right. Yeah. And and I think, I, you know, I don't know if you'll agree with this part of it either, but, like, years and years and years of intensive therapy have maybe helped him with the interview process. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I can't remember if he said that, but I think he, he did. I think he said... Something along the lines of that, you know, no, knowing so much about himself because of therapy has helped him figure out the right line of questioning for others and, and good for him. It makes me want to do therapy to become a better interviewer, but that's a lot of time and a lot of money. I've never done therapy, but the thing that turns me off about it most is like they make you focus on yourself and your own problems. <laughs> And, you know, I would like, yeah. I would love to just go in there and blame everybody else. And the therapist go, you know what? You're right. The world is against you and it's not your fault. What do you think? I think there's probably some element of that. I don't know um, which therapists you might want to choose if you're looking for that specifically. Not a good one. Not a good one. Not a good. No, a bad, a bad therapist is what you're looking for from the sound of it. That is what I'm looking for. A bad therapist. So in your interview method, I think, you know. Whether he's somebody you listen to or not, that that's who you more mirror than Larry King. If anybody's wondering what Jordan's style is like, in my opinion, and I'm wondering how this has changed for you over the years, because you've been doing this 14 years. And now, over the last three or four years, you're so wildly popular. For me, like if I say something pretty controversial, go ahead, cancel me, whatever. But mm -hmm. for you, that's a real worry or concern, I would think, that you could get canceled. I mean, like people could come after you that has anybody come after you that way um there's been a couple of i would say yeah there's been a couple people that have sort of come after me i i don't even know if you can sort of safely say come after me is a little bit of an overstatement um i have had some run-ins with cancel culture i guess you could say where People have decided that something I said was offensive, and then they decided that the reason it was offensive is because I did it on purpose because I hate this specific group, and therefore it must be, I must be a racist or a misogynist or whatever it is. And then they decide that because of that, they need less of that in their community, so to speak. And so they'll go to great lengths to try and get traction for that. But luckily, podcasting is a small enough community where a lot of bigger shows sort of know who the other person is. Right. And I've been in the game for a really long time that the accusations weren't like, he assaulted me sexually at an event. <laughs> like it wasn't anything so bad where people were like, what? Yeah. It wasn't Dave Portnoy. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't <laughs> Dave Portnoy. Yeah. I mean, the, the guy's having a rough month. Yeah, yeah. I don't know all the details, but I've read something about I, that. I, I don't know all the details either, but I know he's having a rough month. Yeah. And and you don't ever want to be in those situations. No. I don't think either one of us will, but even the, even like for choosing your guests now, I mean, for you, it, it, and with your style, you're so non-judgmental. -judge, even like you mm -hmm. can talk to Sammy the Bull Gravano and not be like, hey, you know what? You're, you're a murderer. and and judge him for that. You're just letting him tell his story. Mm -hmm. 
and and you kind of get away with that. But do you have to choose your guests like from the right or the left? Because maybe if you have somebody like, for instance, would you if you could, could you would you interview Barack Obama, President Barack Obama? Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Would you interview President Trump? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'd get I think you'd have problems there. I th- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, oh. yeah, probably. Yeah. But, but you know, um, that's fine. What about Bill Clinton? Would you interview President oh, Bill Clinton? Oh, yeah, I would interview. Yeah, definitely. I see. I'd love to talk to him too, but I think there would be problems there. The only people I can't think, I think I wouldn't want, on, like, there's a few people I, w- I don't want on the show and I've said no to. And they're like fraudsters that are unrepentant they all are um i mean i guess to a certain extent i've had interesting fraudsters that are unrepentant as well like billy mcfarland from firefest but he was he was from prison i did that interview so yeah but like stopping on billy mcfarland for a second because we owe you one there you interviewed him from prison and were the first person to get him to admit yeah i did it and i did it on purpose yeah yeah he admitted guilt on the on the show publicly i think Probably he did that in front of a judge at some point, but, but although I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know that he did. I, I don't know that he did. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's not like everybody didn't know he was guilty, like like a lot of right. other things. But like, you know, talking from my from my own experience, I had that like an opportunity to interview Steve Bannon, which is really. I remember that, you know, yeah. it, it's 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 super bad now for for people who want to cancel me. But, you know, I, I laid down the ground rules in that, like, look, you're going to have to talk to yourself, talk about yourself from diapers, childhood through teenage years, Martin, Dr. King, how you felt during JFK assassinations and things of that nature. And part of the Iran hostage crisis when he was he was there. And I found some of it just like wildly fascinating, setting aside who he may be personally or who, you, who may think he may be personally. And now I couldn't get a liberal guest for my life. Really? I can't even get Michael Moore, and we're both from Flint. Huh. I couldn't get Michael Moore either, though. I have had so much trouble getting in You're touch. You're from Royal Oak. I'm from Royal Oak. Maybe that's why. <laughs> but so, I mean, I mean, I mean, what, what, what is somebody to do when you're in that position where just nobody would listen to that and say that I've, I've taken a position behind somebody, right? I'm trying to do the same thing you're doing and just like be that listener. But do you worry about that too? Like you have somebody too far from the right, you're going to, nobody on the left's going to come or too far from the left. No, I, you know, not, I don't worry about it. Maybe I should, but I don't worry about it because I also think, you know, it's, it's, there's people in the audience like I, I my reviews are funny my reviews are funny like my one star negative reviews of the show are hilarious it's one is like this guy's a conservative moron and then the next one is this guy only has woke liberal idiots and i'm like so which one is it it's so crazy because you're so in the middle you are so <laughs> down the middle i think yeah. you'd said in one podcast or somebody had said that you know, when the shit goes down, the far right's going to congregate together. The far left's going to congregate together, together and everybody in the middle is going to get shot. And you're like, oh, I'm in yeah. trouble. And, and I yeah. agree with you. You're in trouble. I am, too. I believe. Yeah. You know, where are the people in the middle of the voices there? I mean, you're one and you can't even be acknowledged as one. Right. Yeah, exactly. The, you're right. The centrists die first. And I think that was on my show, too. I think like Tim Snyder or something talked about that in, in his episode on tyranny because it is the ones in the middle that get shot because both sides try to recruit them. And then when the centrists are like, no, thanks, they get executed. So it's just whoever kills you first um, or, or knocks you out first. But 
Yeah, for me, I, I do. What I used to enjoy and what I do still enjoy is when people say, you know, hey, Jordan, you do a good job. You're right up the middle. But I know that you're secretly a little bit more left leaning <laughs> or I know that you're a little bit more right leaning, but you could do a good job of hiding it. And I'm like, if you think I agree with you, no matter what your position is, then my job is I did a good job because maybe I do agree with you. Maybe I don't. The idea is you're not really sure, but you think I do, then that's perfect. But I just thought some of the one star stuff is really funny because it's like conservative moron. I'm like conservative moron. Oh, cause I had Oliver North on or because I had, uh, I don't even know who knows who they're even referring to. Car Carolla's big on Adam that Carolla. Right. Adam I mean, Carolla. I, yeah. That must've been controversial. Yeah. And, and I'll get like a, a couple negative reviews from that. Um, and then the, literally a week later, oh, it's all woke libs. This guy's a, a libtard idiot. It's going to make you nauseous. What a grifter. And I'm like, this is so dumb because this person obviously... That would be the Anderson Cooper interview. <laughs> yeah, the Anderson Cooper interview. Like People were like, oh, what a woke liberal idiot. You know, I got a uh, one-star review of my... I used to love... This used to be my favorite show, but then it started being a propagandist. And I'm like, <laughs> you're in a cult if you think that somebody giving somebody else a platform is them endorsing that person's politics. You're in a cult if you think that. Like, you are right. brainwashed, possibly beyond repair, if you think that you having Steve Bannon on the show makes you a fascist, or me having Anderson Cooper on my show makes me uh, whatever Anderson Cooper is in that person's opinion. Like, you are poor, you have bad critical thinking skills, and you are probably brainwashed slash in a cult of the left or the right if you think that somebody getting a platform... Uh, means that host endorses that person's platform, uh, that person's politics. It's just silly and stupid and sad. And and by the way, there was almost no politics in the Anderson Cooper interview. Yeah, none, pretty much. It, it, it was very interesting to understand that in spite of his real last name being Vanderbilt, he, he didn't inherit the fortune. And, mm -hmm. and he, you know, I don't know that he had a tougher life than somebody growing up on the, you know, on, on the mean streets of Spanish Harlem. But right. it wasn't easy either, and he's had tragedy in his life, and it's it's worth hearing for people. I, I found mm -hmm. Sammy the Bull more interesting. Sure. But it, it's definitely worth hearing that he was a war correspondent and what he went through there. H.R. McMaster, another one you could probably get in, in trouble for, but... I did get roasted. I got roasted for that one, too, from both sides. Oh, didn't this guy work for Trump? Oh, isn't this guy a treasonous backstabber? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, get upset about it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, he, he's a very smart guy and I think he's pretty down the middle actually. Yeah. But it wasn't about Trump and it wasn't about politics. And, you know, look for my part, you know, I'm just going to say again, I find your show very interesting. Your success well-deserved. I'm going to continue listening to it. So, you know, maybe I can get better and, 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 and talk less. But I hope you keep doing what you're doing, and I hope you'll take the controversial interviews as they come. I would like to see you be the first person to interview AOC. I'd like to see her talk. Oh, she'd be great. Yeah, she'd be interesting. I don't know that she would be, because she hasn't talked to anybody. Oh, yeah, good point. You're, you're right. The question is always, are they going to tell me the truth, or is it going to be them going on? Is it going to be them just wind, wound up and on their talking points, and then they got to go early? That's always the danger, especially with politicians, is they're only going to say what they want to say and nothing more. Yeah, do you, I mean, you found, I guess in your psychological studies and how you have gotten people to, you know, fall for your Jedi mastery, <laughs> it really is about getting them comfortable mm -hmm. so that they, they can truly speak, right? Yeah, you want to get them comfortable, but in the case of a politician, 
it's even better if they're a little tired because oh. when they're energetic, they're on, Sharp. they've got their talking points, they're going to rely on those. When they are tired, they'll rely on their talking points by training, but breaking them out of it, it's going to be harder for them to think of a nonsense bullshit answer to something than it is going to be for them to tell a little bit of a truthful story. And, and a lot of times when people are tired, they're their sense of their, their inhibitions are a little lower, right? Like you might say, Hey, you know, tell me about this and what's going on there. And they'll, their sort of defenses will drop a little bit more. So I would, you, you know, with somebody like that, ideally you have a long enough time slot where you can wear them out a little, let them go through their talking points. And then once they're out of those, then you can start asking them real questions. Now she's AOC is young enough where she's, she's a career politician now, but she doesn't have necessarily that slimy sort of that sort of deflection stuff is not probably mastered quite yet yeah give her time like there there's something joe biden did i'm you know i'll i don't want to rant about a specific politician but there's something joe biden did where this this guy a veteran said something like i don't know he approached him at some event you probably saw this clip and he said something like oh i know you you got to get us out of this event you know something something war veteran don't you care about veterans and, and, and it was like a really, it was aggressive, but it was also a legit question. And Joe Biden was like, don't you think I don't care about veterans? My son is a veteran. And I'm like, dude, that's not what he's saying at all. You're just yeah. deflecting by getting angry at him. You're just ignoring the question. You're, you're going to act indignant like he's insulting your son or war veterans. The guy is a veteran. What are you doing? Yeah. You know, he just freaking didn't want to talk about it. So he got like fake indignant. That's a politician trick. I don't think AOC would do that because I think she... I don't mean anything by this. I don't mean to degrade anybody by this. She's almost not experienced enough to have that sort of shitty (laughs) reflex that a lot of politicians do. I think like she would actually be a little bit more uh, authentic, I think, potentially. She 100% would be if you could ever get her on the mic alone. I I think the biggest issue with young politicians like her, not just her, by the way, is that they are constantly surrounded by three or four people uh-huh. either. Yeah. Giving them so many singles, they look like they're like parking of 747 yeah. off mic. And it, it, it really confuses them. And then they just go right back to the talking points. And I would really like to hear what she, she's never going to talk to me, but I'd really like to hear what she has to say to somebody like you or to, to get her real take on things. Like you, quite frankly, I you know your interview with Anderson Cooper is great. His interview with her was terrible. <laughs> when he's like, "Oh, so we're just going to be all you know, green power in ten years, and you know, no flying airplanes and hmm. uh, on gas and whatever," and uh, she's like, yeah. "Yeah," and there was no follow up question to that. He's just like, <laughs> "Cool." Yeah, cool. We're just gonna not. We're just gonna rewire our entire infrastructure for the entire country and not travel. Not yeah. that he Sounds hasn't good. done great interviews. He has, but I just thought, yeah. like, you know, he got a little starstruck there, and I want to see somebody do something better with her. And as far as President Biden goes, I would have really liked to have seen him be president fifteen years ago, maybe twenty years ago. I think he was a much sharper individual, and nobody's doing him any justice today. I feel I feel kind of bad for the guy. And I feel really bad for us the last eight years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I really, I think he probably, you're right. He was sharper. He he had different policies. It's funny. Someone made this joke. It was probably on Twitter. And it was like, really glad to see 
a Republican in or a 1989 Republican in an office. And it was a picture of Joe Biden being like, yeah, we won. Cause it really was like, he is like a Republican in 1991. He is. He, he, he de- I mean, uh, Clinton definitely would have been a Republican. Definitely would have been. Yeah. I mean, these guys came up with that criminal reform bill that was like oppressive. Mm-hmm. And, and now, now they're undoing it. Uh, you're undoing what you wrote, but yeah, you know, we digress. Look, I, yeah, <laughs> I want to be, I want to be very conscious of your time too, because you're, you're, you're gracious for, for joining us uh, on the podcast. And if you could just impart on us who you think you're going to have in the future, what you're going to talk about and what you think psychologically the country is going to go through and where we're going to end up. If, if that's not too big. Yeah. I was going to say, that's a huge, yeah. what we're going to go do through it. in the next 20 years, just laid out. Do it. Uh, yeah, look, I'm, I appreciate you listening to the show, uh, the Jordan Harbinger show. For those of you listening, I'd love to have some new fans as a result of this. I do have some really interesting episodes coming up. I mean, like you said, I had Sammy the Bull. I'm going to look at my calendar here and see who we got coming down the pipeline here. Um, a, I've got Ray Dalio coming back, your favorite, probably. Yeah. Oh, no, God. You, can't, you can't drop Ray Dalio on me like that. I mean, listen, I did, you know, I've avoided his podcast his show on your podcast and and I find myself hating myself for it because I'm doing the same thing people are doing on my podcast. I'm not going to listen to Steve Bannon because it's Steve Bannon and even though it's not him machine gunning politics because Ray Dalio what he's doing in China is killing me and I hope you go at him there. And my my take is this I was actually called by people in the Senate Senate staffers asking me about this related to the China hustle. And you know he's starting this big fund over there. And, and they're asking me, what, we, what do you think he's going to do over there? And what do you think he's doing? And I'm like, you know, the one thing I do know, the end result is going to be Ray Dalio is going to be wildly successful investing in China. And anybody with his kind of name investing in China is going to be wildly successful. And Ray knows that too, because the PRC government is going to point to him, this really popular, well-known guy, and point to his returns and say, this is what you can all do in China. Mm-hmm. But for every one of him, there's going to be a million investors that are going to get crushed because they don't have his Guanji, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think he's legitimizing that, that oppressive regime. And by oppressive, I'm not just talking about the Uyghurs. I'm talking to the oppressive in the financial markets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It is interesting with China. I mean, they are creating capital controls that are, uh, you know, unfair to their own people, not just to us. And it's, it's so it's, it's, it is quite interesting. It's, it's a good point that they're probably going to let him be really successful and use it as like a case study. Yeah. They're not going to let him, they're going to make him be very successful. They, that is going to be an advertisement for, for them. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. I, I will. I'm definitely curious about that. Yeah. So well, I've got him coming up. You well, can look I'll forward to that. to that one. And uh, I've got Steven Pinker coming up. I don't know if you know who that is. No, that's an talks interesting about name. Wh- talks about why the world, wh- why we're actually better off now than we were in the past. Oh, I uh, had, I had one like him. Tuppy. Yeah. Tup- uh, yeah. Dr. Marion Tuppy. Ah, okay. Okay. And then I've got, I've got a few coming up through the end of the year. David Rubenstein. You probably know uh-huh. who that uh-huh. is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, wow, the year is almost over, man. We got, it really is. Wow. 
Uh, and another one coming on, another guy named Spencer Roberts, who you haven't heard of, but he's a journalist that covers something called greenwashing, which is, did you know that a lot of these labels you get on like dolphin safe tuna or like environmentally friendly, this and that, a lot of it's just bullshit and totally fake. And, yeah. and those like certification bodies are often created by food companies to just label on their own products and they're completely meaningless. I did like, not know Like that. organic foods. Which yes, organic worse, is yeah. organic is a thing that that has like a set of criteria, but like dolphin safe tuna. What does that mean? It yeah. doesn't mean no dolphins are killed in the fishing of the tuna. It does not mean that. <laughs> it you means know? it means they're safe while you're eating tuna. At, at, <laughs> right, at, yeah, it's it's like or I think it's like only one or two dolphins. Maybe by the way, no one's proofing this. Were killed in the fishing of the tuna that you're eating right now. Yeah, like so, that's all that that means. So enjoy swimming with them in captivity, you losers. Yes, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Don't get dragged down by an orca at SeaWorld. I, I, I think I think those all sound fun. I also know that from listening to your show that you have a mafia informant coming up on one of your shows who was embedded with the mafia for many years, and that that sounds pretty interesting too. That should be interesting. That's probably going to be up in 2022 coming up. Uh, but yeah, and I've got some NBA players coming up that you all have probably heard of. So Do not say LeBron James. No, I will not, because it's not him. Oh, you're not going to say it because it's not him, but you would, ha- you would have him on. I would have him on, yeah, but I just, yeah. got, I just had Dwayne Wade on. Yeah, well, he's fantastic. Yeah. But le- le- listen, le- LeBron James, I, just, I, just, I, just, I, I can't go there. Having said that, you know, LeBron, if you're listening, call me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. If Jesus is playing LeBron, I'm playing Dwayne Wade. That's, <laughs> that, that's great. So where can we, where, tell people where they can, like, I know everybody, if you just pull up his name, you'll be able to find him. But in case you just want to tell people, Jordan, and you are woefully underfollowed on Twitter. I don't know why that oh, is. Oh, yeah. I don't really mess with Twitter. I used to have a Twitter that had like 300,000 followers. And then when I left my old company and switched, my new one has like 20,000 followers. But all I do is tweet episodes and like talk to fans on there. I, you know, the, the heyday of Twitter where you get like tons of followers, unless you're talking about politics, I feel like those days may be over. Or shorting a uh, stock. Yeah, or shorting a stock. Yeah, yeah. Back when I started, it was like, Everybody followed everybody if you posted interesting stuff, and now it's just like you have to like dunk on somebody. Yeah, who's it's you sad. know, and I'm like, I don't do that. The so. algorithm. The yeah, algorithm. it's sad. Stay out of my feed because I'm getting dunked on every other day by some anonymous troll who <laughs> from China. No, no, no. Probably from my family. I, <laughs> if, <laughs> if you're at my Thanksgiving, you'd know. All right, so it's great talking to you. I, you know, wish you your your family the best. Stay safe. Thank you. Continue to do a great job because uh, for the mental health of us, you're a good show to listen to, and I thank you for it. Yeah, I appreciate that. The Jordan Harbinger Show, folks. Love to see you over there. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for having us, Jordan. And I, you know, well, you we're, had we're, me, but okay, whatever. <laughs> well, maybe I'll have you again. To our listeners, if you enjoyed the show, please press like and retweet. If you didn't like the show, remember, I don't care.
I speak English. Yo hablo español. But FCI brings us together. From document translation, interpretation, transcription, and voiceover to any of your linguistic needs, FCI helps the world communicate in one single language, yours. For customized language solutions, call 610-438-8900 or visit us at fcitle.com. FCI, the language experts, making the world connect.